But then a 169-day rental came through, and we weren't ready for that. Got you. So you're talking about an Airbnb business? Yeah, yes, yes. Got you. The vacation rental business, yes, sir. Got you. So somebody asked you or requested yeah. your property for 169 days. Yeah. It's like half the year. Yeah. You know what basically. I mean? So that literally showed us like, whoa, we got to revamp it. We got to understand more about this business. You know so, what I mean? So you get the offer. What's your? What do you do instinctively? I had to decline the offer. What's happening, good people? Welcome to another episode of First Generation Wealth Builders, man. Today, today I got a good friend of mine, man, Brandon Lamar Anderson. What's happening, baby? What's going on, brother? How you doing? Chilling, chilling, man. I'm off a high. <laughs> I ain't going to lie. I just came from Atlanta um, uh, down there with my mentor, David Shands. You know what I mean? Then I met uh, Marquel. Mm -hmm. uh, and shoot, we just got off the call with him. You yes. know, high-powered conversations and interactions, man. So, um yes, then uh, I watched three podcasts in one day, like, and he was just moving through them, just like like a bro bra, you know what I mean? Mm. I'm, I'm, we about to get to that level up in this thing too. <laughs> but how you sure. doing, man? Doing well, man. Just uh, finishing up a project and getting ready to start on the next one. You know what I mean? Got Here you, locally. got you, got you. For those who don't know you, man. Um, Allow me to introduce you, man. Just a little bit one time. We're gonna do it different this this episode. <laughs> so. Brandon actually was the shot the first photo shoot for her hair company, um, and that's a hair company that I own. Um, I've been running business for about ten years. Um, we've been blessed to um, been awarded Inc. Five Hundred Awards, as you see in the back. Um, and you you were part of that initial launch, brother. Mm, that's why that's awesome, bro. I didn't really peep that, but that's awesome, man. Yeah, it's part of your resume. Yeah, you, hear me? you know what I mean. <laughs> I definitely remember the shoot, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was still in the military. Um, also, I DJed. My last time DJing was your wedding. Came out of retirement for me. I appreciate that, bro. <laughs> that was a good day, though. That was a beautiful yeah, day. Appreciate it. You know what I mean? I shot about 60. He was like, hey, bro, I need you to go out like Kobe. For real. <laughs> yeah. That was a good day, man. So, man, tell us about yourself. Somebody that doesn't know you, man. Who is Brandon Lamar? Brandon Lamar... Uh, Serial investor, you know, entrepreneur. Uh, my background is photography. A lot of people know me from, uh, again, the media world. Um, I have over 15 years experience of professional photography. And uh, the last few years, people know me from my real estate and uh, doing Airbnbs, doing flips, and uh, just trying to, again, grow generational wealth. Got you, got you, man. That that fits in and locks in with what we got going on. So, sure. um, you know, let's, um, you know, like, we have a lot of conversations. We've been to Pacer Games. We chopped it up, lunches, dinners, whatever. But like, man, like, let's tap in, man. Like, what was childhood like for yourself? Childhood was good, man. Um, like I said, great parents. Uh, I went to Harshman. Uh, like I said, inner city went from a Harshman to Tech to Indiana State. So, um, solid family. Um, again, growing up in Indianapolis, man. So, uh, somewhat Any siblings. Oh uh, yeah, I have a brother, um, Jeremy, two years younger than me, and I have a sister, Nia. She's uh twelve years younger than me, so gotcha. we're a little stretched out a little bit. <laughs> yeah, that's gotcha. my that's my crew. Got you. Are they entrepreneurs as well? Oh uh, yeah, 
both of them, uh, my brother, he does uh, basketball trainings and uh, coaching and mentoring. Uh, my sister, she does like lashes and makeup and stuff like that. Got you, got you. So, obviously, you know, here in Indianapolis, a lot of people know you for, you know, your photography. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I want to go back, though, to like when you first got the entrepreneurial bug. Like, how did that come about? Man, I kind of always knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur. That's kind of why I picked photography, because it was a very flexible craft. And um, mm-hmm. I went to school and basically uh, didn't have enough financial aid, enough uh, know-how to keep going. So, so you're talking about college? College, yes. Yeah, so Is that college. when you picked up a camera in college? No, I picked up a camera in high school. Uh, high school, like I said, I pretty much enjoyed it, and I knew that I could make a profession out of it. So... Um, being at tech, we had to take campus. So, you know, I, I like going outside. I was able to get camera passes. So I was like, man, it's perks to this thing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I was always very socially aware. So I was able to meet a lot of different people. So I kind of knew that could be a little avenue. Um, I went to school for photojournalism. I also write. I have a book, uh, The Soul's Expression, that I produced. Uh, it's been about 10 years ago now. What's that book about? Uh, poetry and Photography. So that was one of my first entrepreneurial goals is like, hey, with this photography and writing, I have to make a product. Like, I want to be this big photographer. So basically, by the age of 25, um, I was able to get together and produce a, a, a book, a portrait and photography with a, a collaboration of my poems and photography. So explain it to me, though. So I didn't know about this, but like, how do the two, like, how do, how do they work together? Great question. Um, that's honestly how I feel. I got my talent and my I found my calling because uh, I was in high school and I was doing the photos and I was like, this is cool, but I've always at heart been a writer. You know what I mean? And then once we had a specific assignment where well, we merged the two, it was called text and image. And my then uh, photography teacher, he saw something in me. He saw me light up because I could then take photos and put poems over them. Or I could write a poem that I had and take a photo to match it. Gotcha. And that's when I was like, hold on, I got something here. And so that's what kind of created the the artist in me. Like, okay, this I can create this. Got you. And so that's why I went to do the photojournalism. Because again, I wanted to be able to have words to represent my photos and vice versa. Got you, got you. Okay, okay. And is this book still available? Yeah, it's on Amazon. And... It was definitely a lot of learning curves. So I think this is a, a dope podcast and show, you know, entrepreneur to entrepreneur because, you know, as you know, we've been through a lot of ups and downs mm-hmm. and I learned a lot from that experience. What did you learn from it? Um, Basically having a team. I needed a team. You know, a lot of times you're doing things yourself or just a couple of you and I was able to get to the finish line, but I needed more marketing dollars. I needed more funding, more mm-hmm. things like that to really put my book in front of the right audience, you know what I mean? So at that point, it was more like a, it was a professional book, but I was running it like a mixtape because of budget, you know? So now, because people over the years, we gonna do another one, like people that have supported me, you know? So we sold uh, roughly over a thousand copies. That's dope. You know what I mean? Just kind of through my network and over the years, you know what I mean? And so people be like, when are you gonna do another book? And now that I know what's out there, I'm like, I gotta make sure I'm in a good space to create it and that I can actually properly fund and market it. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Now, as far as going back to the camera, yeah, you said that it was in high school when you uh, kind of fell in love with it. Yeah, gotcha. Then you went to college for it. Yep. Um, today, do you think somebody that wants to be a photographer, what would you tell them to go to college? Would you tell them to go, you know, uh, take courses? Mm-hmm. Like, what route you gonna? 
you gonna you gonna advise me to go? Yeah, if I want to pick up a camera and go. That's a great question, man. I think it's pros and cons, you know, because I see a lot of benefits of me. Even though I left college early, I saw the benefits of me getting out into the real world, networking, and really starting my career. Uh, however, being technically trained, understanding different medias, and you know the grades, there's some value in that too. So I think it depends on the the uh, student. You know what I mean? There's going to be benefit because what I would tell, depending on whichever student, if you want to go out here and start like me, I, I started working with a, a magazine immediately after uh, college. Uh, shout out to the Hype Magazine. That's where I got my first start. You know what I mean? So you can go straight to publication, or you can then take that. A studious route as well, you know what I mean, and really get your network up mm. because that's what I would tell people that in our industry, if you're in college, you need to be networking, you know, because these are going to be other future movers and shakers, you know what I mean, in different cities and they're planted everywhere. So that would be one thing that I had to kind of grit, grow my network versus if I feel if I was in an institute like the Art Institute in Chicago, I'm already around artists, you know what I mean, I can. You know, the people that's in our field. So I felt both ways, man. Got you, got you. So uh, we talked before, then you moved to Maryland. Yeah. So talk about talk about the move to Maryland. What, what was in Maryland? Maryland was opportunity, man. It's being here in the Midwest and I wanted, I was young at that time. I believe I was like 20, 21, uh, ready to go after my career. And it was actually a really dope experience out there. Um, I work with one of the biggest photography companies where I truly learned the photography business. What's that, what's that company name? Uh, Classic Photography. Got you. So they gave me a huge shot, man. And that's when I saw that, okay, because at that time, you know, photography, you know, I mean, it's salt, it's highly sought, but as far as money, you know, it's, it's kind of up and what down. What time frame are we talking now? Uh, we're talking 2005, 2010. Okay, got you. You know what I mean? So this is because you got to think about like Photoshop. And this is what I'm going back a little bit. Photoshop, like, you know, it was introduced in the late 90s, like 98. Mm-hmm. I graduated high school in 2002, so that's when I'm one of the students that were able to merge pictures and the text. Well, you sound like a dinosaur, bro. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, because at that time, Photoshop wasn't as popular as it is now. No, nah, no doubt. You no know doubt. what I'm saying? So, Got you, got you. So you go out to Maryland. Yeah. How'd you link up with the company? How did I link up with that? I think at that time, man, I was I was hungry, man. So I was searching for different companies in the newspaper, stuff like that. And I think uh, I saw them in the newspaper, and they were hiring. And I went, and just my charisma, my energy, and my knowledge, they hired me. Got you. Talk about talk about some of the the uh, takeaways from working at that company. Like I said, really being able to, I was around other photographers uh, because like a, t- a lot of times photography is kind of an isolation career. Mm-hmm. You don't have a team. So when you're around, you might think you know everything or you do something this way, but when you're around other photographers, other greats, you get sharpened and you learn more. So technically knowledge, uh, technical knowledge and just um, how to perform uh, the money side. I saw how they were able to really capitalize off what we were doing, taking pictures and how important pictures was. You know what I mean? So as an example, we were doing uh, school portraits, sport p- photos. So if your your kid is in the third grade, you're buying that sports photo. You're right. buying. This is the age where you're buying that class picture. Right. So I was able to see the monetary the monetary side of it. You know, and then just networking. You know, I saw how they their company came together, multiple personalities to make this formidable company. And I was like, man, I want this. Mm. And so then when I came back to Indianapolis, roughly a year and a half later. 
I had that my that was my goal. Like I saw it firsthand, and I was like, I'm going to create something like that. What kind of photography were you doing for them now? We were doing sports. Um, we we're doing mainly like sports portraits. We we're doing some action, and then school school photography. Yeah. Oh yeah, cheer competitions. That that was one of our big ones. You know what I mean. So all kind of cheer events, which still go on to today. Um, we we're, we're covering those events. Got you, got you. So I've heard you say this before. Talk about what the difference between creative and technical. Good. So technical is like basically I'll start creative because creative is kind of your creative eye. Like you might see something and not know how you got the shot. And you can be like, man, this shot, the way contrast or the colors hit, right? right, right That's right. creative. Technical is knowing how to get the shot every time. Mm. So creatively, I might see a sunset. I might see something or catch this person and I'll be like, bang. Because, you know, the art of photo taking, you know, you'd be like, man, I caught that. But when you're technically trained and you know how things work, you're like, I, I can always reproduce that versus it being kind of a one-off shot. Give me an example of a technical shot. You know what I mean? Because I, okay. hear, I hear what you're saying, uh -huh. but, you know, you got you got Jackson here. <laughs> like, So as an example, I say, like, taking a portrait. Like, we could use window light, right? So I could let this window up, and you're going to get light on the side of somebody's face, right? Mm -hmm. And right now we got perfect time at 11 o'clock. What about what happens when it's 5 o'clock? or seven o'clock, talking about later in the day when that light is not there. If I know photography and technically sound and I have lights, I know how to kind of- Reproduce you, it. Exactly. So you know what I mean? It's kind of the that exact, so any time of day, I know I can get that particular kind of shot. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Versus having to say, okay, well, I can only do portraits that from 11 to one. Got you. You know what I mean? You might have a client that's at three. They might need a six o'clock shoot. They might need an 8 p.m. shoot. Can you handle it? Got you. Got so, you. So, you know, I asked you know to, you to tell me the difference between technical and creative, but I should have added another one. It should have been like technical, creative, and then club, club guy. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, like I'm not gonna ask you what you feel about them, but uh -huh. I've never seen you in the club like that, so I respect that. You know what I mean? I appreciate I to let that. You know that. So I feel like that was like not intentional somehow. You know, like how do you? How come you never went that way? Basically, because I, I I love photography. So, again, it's kind of back to the college thing. Like, when you study it, you appreciate it. So, and then I always saw myself bigger. So, I, I understood marketing a little bit at that time. So, I still have done a little club photography, but I've kind of always wanted to position myself a little different. Because my, my mindset was like, hey, as an example, in the club, you might get $10 a photo. But I knew I wanted to do dreamy weddings and big events. And I'm like, it's hard to get a person who's paying, they're paying you $10 for them to pay you 1000 or 1500 Because gotcha. they're going to be like, ah, oh, this dude, you know what I mean? And so I saw kind of that separation and I was like, I want to make whatever area of this photography I do, it's highly sought after. It's going to be upscale. It's going to be premium. And, you know, the event, it just kind of wasn't always, I didn't want to market myself as much like that. And then and it was it was a lot of sacrifice because I would see guys making tons of money, you know what I mean? And I might have been still developing my strategy, but then four or five years later, as we built relationships, they would come back and be like, man, they're trying to break into the wedding market. They're trying to break into these other markets that I'm in. And, you know, they're like, man, I wish I would have did this a little differently. But they can't because they charge $10 yeah. for a picture. Yeah. Oh, gotcha. Now, where does third art? 
third eye photography come from? Like, what, what you know, what's the name mean? Man, it, it's a it has changed over time um, or evolved over time, I'll say. But today, it is a creative photography. You know, um, basically very thought provoking. You know, the, my whole process now has evolved from when I started. You know, first I was through these eyes photography, mm. and then I elevated to third eye photography um, because then I knew that I could I could shoot from multiple perspectives. I could, you know, and then just keep myself pretty diverse, you know, and creative, artistic. So people wouldn't just look at me like, hey, I just do headshots. I was always like, I'm a creative photographer. And that became a story, an intro. People like, okay, what's creative photography? Or what can you do? And then I would start my third eye, my visions. Okay, this is what we're doing. This is what kind of shoot. This is what I see. And as I perfected my technical skill, it just got, it just really went hand in hand. Got you. What did you apply immediately that you learned in Maryland to third eye photography? Flash photography. <laughs> mm. That's simple. Like before, like when I say you're just kind of a natural creative, you're just kind of shotgunning with your camera. You know what I mean? Seeing what you see. But when you add that flash and you're able to compensate and use equipment, you know, I was like, okay, I'm not doing a shoot without a flash. You know, I have to be able to have this polished look. You know, it no longer cannot be fuzzy here. It had to be sharp. You know, it has to be sharp, vibrant, colorful. Got so, you. you know what I mean? Got you, got you. All right. So then you back in town. You're doing your thing. We work together. Um, had you met your wife at this time? Oh, uh, probably right around that time. 2010. You said 2010? Yeah, yeah. So yep, we, yep, we met around that time. Okay, got you, got you. So then you guys... Uh, Decided to move to Houston. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me about that process. So, like, what are you going through that stimulates the thought? Well, first off, wifey, she, at that time, she was kind of like I was when I was a little younger. Like, hey, I got to get out of here. I got to make a move, you know, experience the world. And so she always wanted to kind of move away. And we were researching areas, and Houston came up. And so opportunity happened for her. She was able to go ahead. Plan was like, all right, I'm going to come down a year. Indy's my warm market. This is where I built it. I don't want to just pick up and move. But again, being an entrepreneur, you got those ebbs and flow yearly, you know. Mm -hmm. And it just happened the, the summer of, well, I think it was 2012. Um, it was just a really dry summer here, man. And I was just ticked with the market. And just again, you got to, I'm an I'm a artist at heart, you know. And like I said, I bring up the Art Institute, like, you know, I will want something like that here, but it's not here. So I got to go, and um, Houston opened up, man. And so I went down there, and um, immediately, uh, small, small, you know, basically I'm coming from the inner city, and I'm into this new market, little man on the totem pole. And it's totally different. Yeah, there. out of my comfort zone, and that's when my instincts kicked in. Got you, got you. So you got a job. Yeah, three jobs in the first two weeks. Talk about that. Like I said, I was ready and hungry. I had, I feel like in your hometown, sometimes you have uh, this pride, this ego. And when you move away, nobody, you don't have to guard that ego and that pride. So then this is why, like you said, I don't crap on nobody, but back to the club photography, that was one of my jobs. I had to start entry level, you know? So then I had a, a club photography job. I was doing graphic design for a church. And then I found what became to be my career there was working at the Houston Camera Exchange, where that was just a true game changer for me. Got you. Or was it a true game changer? I was like then. I was again 
uh, able to work with other photographers and people in the industry and then just really networking. I was able to work with like um, the different brands. Now it went to another level of just technical advice and knowledge, you know, so I would know the superior light, superior cameras, lenses, and I'm able to talk with these reps and see the nuances, you know, so then I would be able to then translate that to my other photography friends in the photography community. Because sometimes that technique, it might be over somebody's head, but it's like, this is basically what it's doing. And they're like, okay. You know, so then I can help sell the products better. Got you. Since you work there, what's your favorite camera to take photos with? Um, <laughs> then it was Canon, okay. uh, but now it's probably Sony. I really, I really like my Sony. Got you, got you. Why you like the Sony? Uh, the compact... Uh, it's, it's very what, sharp. Though? Which one? Which I one? use the Sony XR3. Gotcha. It just sounds expensive. Yeah, it's it's a small bo- it's a small body, but still full frame. And again, low light. I love the low light because I don't really like to have flashes. I want the natural look. So it's great in low light and very sharp all the time. Got you. Do you do you do any video? Stuff? Yeah, we do like, a little bit of video. What do you like, recommend for video? What kind of camera you re- recommend for video? It depends on what level, um, but like again, you got Canons, you got uh, Sony's. Should we podcasting? Yeah. What would you recommend for in here? So I was told get a mirrorless. So, yeah, which is what you got set up. You got, which, I see what you got in yeah, here. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know what I mean? Because, I'm just checking on this, your, your advice. Dog. Yeah. I'm trying to check your expertise. Sony, man, because one of the, the small the features is the autofocus. You know, mm-hmm. that's one of the hardest things with video is the tracking, and they have it down to a science. So if I'm going to go video and, again, size and price, I'm going to probably go Sony first. You got some Panasonics, and then you got big boys going up from there. <laughs> <laughs> film kit, film cameras and all that. All right. So you get down to Houston. You guys are renting a place or you buy a place? We're, yeah, we were living in the Galleria, an apartment. Then we uh, did that for about a year and a half. Then we purchased the crib. What, um, what was... what? Why did you purchase a house versus continue renting? Uh, basically, we were in the heart of the city, and it was dope, but then they kept raising the rent, and then just the blueprint. At that time, I had a dog, and it was like, all right, it's me, the wife, and she was she was the girlfriend at that time, um, and then the dog. So it's like, okay, I need a little more bigger blueprint for what I'm paying. I'm paying premium rent. I need some space. Got you. Got so, you. yeah, that's what we moved. Probably about 12 minutes from the gallery is what I'm saying now. Okay, got yeah. you. Yeah. So, correct me if I'm wrong, but this became your first investment property. Yep. Got you. Tell me about that process. So, was the house distressed and you needed work, or you got it, it was in good shape, and it just appreciated it? Talk, talk about that. We weren't even needing to like invest in like that. So, it was uh, it was in good shape, uh, move-in ready. Uh, it needed a few little tweaks, you know, really cosmetic, but something that can be done down the line. Um, so, we moved in, and no problem, everything good. What you buy for uh, 203. They wanted 210. We got it at 203. How, many, how much square footage? 2300. 2300 gotcha. square feet, 32. That's an awesome price in Houston. Hey, and it, it, it's in a very established neighborhood. Well, you know, a great neighborhood. So very mature trees, you know what I mean? Well off. Hey, he living different. He said mature trees. I can only imagine. <laughs> that make you feel like you in uh in Hollywood. You know what I'm saying? He said, he said, Mary. Very mature tree. That's one of the things we look for. Like you already know in real estate, there's certain corks, certain details, and like I'm always looking for that's mature what you trees. Look for. I don't care about the trees. Yeah, I do. That's what I'm saying. That's that's where I look for. Ain't you might be looking for square footage. You might be looking for this, but I look for mature trees. There it is. Because that's that's, going, that's an establishment. You know what I'm saying? It tells me, it tells me about the neighborhood. 
Yeah, 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 you know yeah. What I mean? Gotcha, gotcha, yeah. gotcha. All right, so did, what, what all repairs did you make to the home? And before I even ask it, I'm sorry. What time frame we're talking about right here? We're talking 2014. Got you. So 2014 is when we were in the house. And like basically it was like laminate floor. I think we switched out the flooring, switched out some kitchen cabinet, cabinetry, and As you lived in it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, cool. So you're living in it, you're doing yeah, so a repair. Little renovation, yep. How long do you keep the home for? We still own it, but we were we were living into it. So like kind of speeding up to how we got into the real estate thing. We started doing what we call a term, a terms called house hacking, where you basically rent out bedrooms. And so from our network, we had people coming into the area that needed lodging. And it's just me and her, and we have two free bedrooms. So then we started, you know, renting out those bedrooms. And so that was our first true entry into like kind of real estate, like, okay, getting your place paid for. You know what I mean? So it's like, okay, this is cool. We can do this. So we did that for about probably a year and a half, two years. And then speeding up, so that's it. That was twenty. Okay, you go sorry. Too on yep, that. yep. You start house hacking and renting out rooms. Yeah. So you're putting like locks on the special locks on these doors. Now these are kind of like people you trust. So this is like somebody. At this point, we're not marketing this. This is solely people. Like I know you're in Houston. Um, I'm moving from here for a job. I don't have kids. You know what I mean? And I want to be with somebody I can trust because gotcha. of the rental rates in Houston and stuff like that. So it was like a warm market. It was a very warm market. Got gotcha. you. I can't do that shit. I like going to go get snacks and I just be in my underwear, go get snacks. <laughs> that shit be totally disrespectful to somebody. I mean, but if you, but but this is kind of the thinking. If you're, if, but if that is paying for your place, do you really care? Do, would you not make modifications? Hey, you see I, what I'm saying? I, I so it's you. like, hey, if I'm making. $1,200 a month off renting two rooms, I can put on a road. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I got you. Because then this this is where we when we talk about debt reduction and all that stuff, mm. instead of blowing that money, we were paying debt down. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So the same money that I would be paying rent, I still would pay my mortgage coming out of my account. But then that became invested money. The money that that brought in, I'm paying stuff down. Um, How did your wife feel about that process? She loves it. Got you. Yeah, she that it was you know she's an accountant you know what I mean CPA Numbers so makes sense oh yeah you know what I mean so she and that, I credit the debt thing to her you know what I mean because that's what she's all about making sure the money makes sense and getting that interest all those things also attacking that debt to get that out the way so that was her she was with it did you ever have any female tenants yeah both of them were females no problems no oh yeah got a healthy relationship yeah. Because that might not fly everywhere else. That might be a conflict of interest in the business. We locked in, man. You know what I mean? We I locked you. in. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> we okay. got big goals. So um, you're house hacking by renting out rooms in your house. You do it for a year and a half. Yeah. Um, what's next? Next, we uh, wifey's looking for an exit strategy from corporate America. So she introduces real estate courses. She went to class and she brought and she went, loved it, brought me along. And I was like, okay. And we so were kind she's of leading the way in this. Yeah. This okay. is this is her. She wants to, this is kind of an outlet for her. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So I'm supporting. I'm like, okay, I'll go see what's going on and make sure everything checks out. And then I saw the benefit of how I could work together. And I was like, okay. And so we moved forward with uh going with one of the coaching courses. And we literally launched our vacation rental business the next month. Gotcha. What was the can you talk about the impact of getting the education before you jump into real estate? Pivotal. I mean, because you don't really, until you learn, you don't really know. You know what I'm saying? It's a lot of questions, I'd say. Um, but getting, you know, 
uh, technically trained and having resources and people that you can call and ask is priceless because um, there's just so much knowledge. Like I say, you just you're not aware of. You hear certain strategies, you might know the basics, but then people who have been in it for years, they know multiple strategies and how um, you know could continue to benefit from it. So you know the guy that I was learning from just quickly, he was managing like ten million dollars a year in assets, and I was like, yeah, that's what I want to do. Mm. You know, just solely managing and teaching, and I'm like. This is this is what I want to do. Prior to doing that, did you like check out any type of real estate videos on YouTube and stuff like that? Not really, man. Cause I'm I'm like me and wifey, we help balance each other out. And I'm a, I have a, a solid business mind. She's quick. I'm methodical. So that's kind of where she has her great instincts in business as well. And with, when I saw that training and the way it was presented, you know, I was like, this I can t- I can get something from this. You know what I mean? Gotcha. So you can get your money back. Absolutely. Got you. Have you got your money back since you yeah, invested? Absolutely. We got our money back in three months. Mm. You know? And what was cool about it, it wasn't even really using utilizing their strategy. So that's why when you say training, and it's definitely you got to be exposed to different things. You know what I mean? Gotcha. Because they you don't know how that's that information gonna affect your mind and how you can find loopholes and things like that. We, so what I'm hearing you say mm-hmm. is that you went to get educated on one thing. But it stimulated thought to do another thing. Absolutely. But you would never got that had you not pursued the education. Not at all. It would have taken us way longer. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. By going through that training and that, that course, it like I said, we were exposed to knowledge. You're exposed to people who are successful already in this area. So it kind of gets rid of some of that mystery. You know what I mean? You start to see once you see people making money and you're around people making money. You feel the freedom to make money as well. You know what I mean? Did you make any connections with any of the students? A couple. Yeah. Gotcha. Like, because basically they would have the monthly reads. So I was, you see those familiar faces and that you definitely would link up with them and check in and see how they're doing. But somebody who doesn't know a, a RIA is a real estate investment group. That's what he's talking about. Yeah. So, you know, so you got those here. Here in Indianapolis, it's called a Syria. Um, but you got local real estate groups that you can find on Facebook groups or, you know, companies and, and business pages and or you can find them in your local town so got you all right so we did that man house hacking yep what's next with real estate what's the next step you guys take next step was like i said we launched the business we started doing the vacation rentals and just kind of sl- sliding into it doing weekends and then we got hit with a, a huge <laughs> we got hit with a, a big rental and it just kind of changed our perspective on looking at everything you said big rental so like what do you mean what are you talking about like basically like i said you know cuz we have strategies in our video we have a, a, a crash course video where we basically break down everything about any questions you may have about vacation rentals from start to to beginning you went one step forward i'm going to go one step backwards you said that something big happened. You had a big rental. Yeah. Talk about the big rental. The big rental, we basically were renting weekends, and we were fine with that. But then a 169-day rental came through, and we weren't ready for that. Got you. So you're talking about an Airbnb business? Yeah, yes, yes. Got you. The vacation rental business, yes, sir. Got you. So somebody asked you or requested yeah. your property for 169 days. Yeah. It's like... Half the year. Yeah. You know what basically. I mean? So that literally showed us like, whoa, we got to revamp it. We got to understand more about this business. You know so, what I mean? So you get the offer. What's your, what do you do instinctively? I had to decline the offer. Oh. I had to decline it because I my model was not set up for it. 
Okay. And that's why I was jumping ahead because basically the video helps you. You know, I got to help the steps. So depending on what level you're at, we got something to help you. You know what I mean? Gotcha. Depending on what your goals are. Gotcha. Our goals changed quickly. We were just cool with getting, you know, the weekend renters. But then once that came, it was like, oh. But there's some juice Sorry. to this, though. So let's go back. <laughs> yeah. So, so what I want to talk about is that you have a Airbnb book. Yes. All right. So we want to make that clear. So so what's the name of the Air, Airbnb book? What's it's the, the uh, Vacation Rental Crash Course. Got you. Where can I get the Vacation Rental Crash Course? You can get course? on our website, andersonrealtydesign.com. It's going to be one of the featured products as soon as you click on our link. Uh, we have a few different packages uh, where we sell the crash course. We sell downloadable content with it as well. And we also have coaching that comes with it. Got you. Can you talk about like this entry price point? What's what's the what's yeah, the, course the, the cra uh, crash course is four ninety nine. Okay. Uh, the downloadable content is nine ninety nine, and then the coaching is uh nineteen ninety nine. Got you. What comes with the coaching? The coaching comes with the video, all the downloadable content, and then basically uh, some coaching calls to make sure you're on the right path to getting your deal set up. You know what I mean? How long the coaching calls come uh, last? Uh, generally about 30 minutes, about we depending on what's going on because it starts at the 1999, but generally we're going to give you at least uh, two 30 minute coaching calls and we can have email correspondence as well. But it's really for that package is for the person who is looking to start immediately, you know what I mean? So that's literally helping you potentially select your product, your property, your area. It's really a thumbs up, thumbs down type thing. But when you're trying to get somebody in that Airbnb business in 30 days then. Exactly, you know what I mean? Expedited because, service. Yes, and that's exactly. kind of why we created the three packages because you got the video for just the knowledge. You're going to learn a lot immediately just from learning it, you know what I mean, by watching it and viewing it. Uh, and then we have the next packages. Say you ready to, you love what you see in the video. We got all the downloadable checklists, all the things we talk about to help scale your business. It's in that second package. So you don't have to create it. You can just take it straight from what we have. And then we got that next package that includes those both too. But then again, this is more of a, hey, I'm in this area. You can actually talk to us, reach out and, you know, get some more feedback to make sure, you know, you're making the right decision. Because that's kind of our big thing is that you know, we're not about no gimmick and just trying to no get rich quick or anything like that, but making sure people are really thinking about it, goal setting. Cause so that's kind of what we do in the video. Got you, got you, got you. I did you were speaking on it, but I wanted to make sure that we highlighted it. I appreciate you know what it. I mean? So let's talk about it though. Yeah. You're doing you're renting your home, as I understand. Yeah. On the weekends. You're just renting rooms though. At which uh, back in the day? Or now, currently? No, no, no. Back in the okay, day yes. with this property. That okay. You got yeah. So we're at that time, we're renting the home out. Like you said, so now when we're bringing a, like I would call a cold market lead, somebody I don't know, then yeah, we're not going to live to cold mingle. So I'm totally so out leave. of the property. Where yeah. do you go when you do that? Uh, early on, we would take vacations, you know? So that will be a way we subsidize our vacation, our house rent out. We're going to Mexico. We're going, you know, somewhere. We're going to North Carolina. And so that will pay for our vacations. But then after we saw we were going on all these vacations, we're like, let's keep some of this money. How can we then reinvest it? You know what I mean? Got you. So, so you it was, was a process. <laughs> so you was just renting your crib and just say, hey, when we rent it, we're just going to take that money and take a trip. Absolutely. Man, that's a luxury. Yeah. There was no, there was no kids around this time. No kids. Uh, so nice. we were traveling galore. You know what I mean? Nice. Nice. Okay. Now, it's your personal property, like your clothing. Yeah. What, what, what would you do? Uh, basically. You have a couple of different things you can do. Um, 
some people, because again, you're talking to somebody who travels a lot of vacation rentals and Airbnb, so I just love the process. So every time I would travel, I would pick up little things I saw, and one of the things was uh, basically people would have a locked closet or a locked garage on their property. So then your valuables, things you don't want to be out in the public, you get those stored away. Got you. You know, right. so right. the whole process is really working on neutralizing this place. Understood. You know Understood. What I mean? All right. So you get this big well. He wants to rent your spot for 169 days. Yeah. You decline it. I declined him, yeah. But that that was so pivotal because it helped change our thinking. All right. Because then, well, that was probably in August. And then at the end of August, I got the, the vacation rental that propelled my business to the next level. I got a three-month renter. In the same spot? Or? Yeah, same spot. At that time, I only have one. So how are you now? What did you do to prepare... For the three-month renter. So it actually, it worked out perfect timing. Uh, we were going on our, we had just got married. We were going on our honeymoon. So we're already going to be out the country for like a month. Um, and you took a honeymoon for a month? We went a couple spots. Different. We went to a couple spots. <laughs> money different, different. It's okay. <laughs> we'll talk about that later, but okay. Yeah, so we, we uh, it was kind of timed around that. And then what we ended up doing was we lodged at a, a, a family member's crib that was local. So we basically were able to kind of break bread, you know, to say, hey, y'all mind if we stay here for a month? We'll help. We got the, we're, we got a business strategy proposition going on, forced us to get out of our house. We're willing to kind of help break bread over here. So that so then that inflow helped them out, and they like, okay, so we stayed there for a month. I think we're on vacation. And uh, when we came back, I think we were there for like another week or two, and we went back to the property. Got you. All right. What's next? After that, we're going, and so we're trying that model out, and then I think at that first year, we did it like four or five, four months. The next year was eight months, and then once How I- How much money you make the first year? Uh, I think we did like 17000 18000 okay. something like that in four months. And what year was that? 2017. What'd you do in 18? 18, I think we did like 28000 Gotcha. What was, and that what was, was eight months. What was the difference? Giving there? it more time. So this is the process of, and that's why I said the video, we make it to where people don't have to go through what we went through. That's kind of the shortcut. You know what I mean? So I already outlined the strategies, what you're going to go through to kind of get you primed so you got a good solid plan. So um, the first, like I said, we did the four months to just try it out. It was doing well. So then we were, and we're still kind of operating this property. So the next year we do eight months. And that time it was like, I got to get out the way. And then the third year was a full 12 uh, month cycle and we made 50,000. So you said something, you had to get out the way. What did you do to get out the way? Started looking for other properties. Got you. So did you get another property? Yes. Did you make that Airbnb or the, or both of them were So Airbnb? basically we kind of, once we got the next property, we slow rolled that one to renovate it as well to really focus attention on this first business and get it. Up, get it really first opt- property. The first property, sorry, okay. to get it optimized and everything like that. Once we got that model together, and as we're working on the second one, we basically kind of rinsed and repeat. We got out the way. We so we then came back to Indianapolis, spent a little time with family, kind of testing it out, see what it can do. And now I, I can't go back to Houston. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm joking. Now we're actually looking at we're working on our third one in Houston now. Got you. So we're in between these. The first baby come in at. The first baby comes in 2018, at the end of 2018, and we're in the second one, finishing up the renovation for that one, finishing up the renovation. Gotcha. All right. Now, let's speed up. Today, how many properties do you Airbnb? Currently two. Like I said, okay. we're working on the third. Got you. 
Um, you've picked up flipping now. Yeah. Got you. What what intrigued you to start flipping? Always looking for the right deal uh, and to grow our cash flow. You know what I mean? To basically, um, and to grow our team, keep our team busy working as well, our contractors. Um, but really, just but this one is in Indy though, right? Yeah. So how'd you how'd you get your first deal? It, through the personal network, uh, people know I'm coming back to town, kind of knowing a little bit about what I'm doing, kind of my my history, and thought it was a good opportunity for us to partner on. Got you. How as that project's done, mm -hmm. it's on the market. Yep. How long did it take you start to finish? To about eight months. And so we're we're a little over, uh, you know, over schedule or, or whatnot, but. It was a full project. We're still very proud of it, though. Got you, got you. Um, what were some of the things that you learned during this project that a class can't teach you? <laughs> hmm. During this project... Because um, you got a partner. Yeah. Uh, you know what I'm saying? You have to get contractors, and I remember pulling up on you and uh, uh, at the... Uh, at the uh, lumber yard. Yeah, the lumber. And then you was just like, yo, yo, I need the contractor. And I was like, I can't give you my guys, but I can show you how to get some. Yes. And so, you know what I mean? I was in neighborhoods with Ziggy, and I was like, well, let's, let's just pull up with this one. And I like to go specifically to go look at their work. If they're not working, I don't hire them. Yeah. It's nothing personal. I may miss out on that, but I need to be able to see your craftsmanship. I don't want to see pictures. Yeah. I could send you somebody else's pictures. Right. And so that allows uh, that allowed us to go see their craftsmanship. Yep. And we were able to tell who was doing good work, who was not doing good work. How'd you feel about that experience? I thought it was amazing. I mean, just like you said, getting in a game and then like you said, going, moving from a photo to the actual true work, you know, it's a true represent more accurate representation, you know what I mean, of kind of had the pride and the quality of work and just being not being afraid to get out there. You know, we're in investing, we're in real estate, so it is a lot about networking. You know, so I thought that was a great exercise to, like you said, to help add to your, you know, quality, your uh, contracting team. Got you, got you. Back to the original question. I'm sorry because I, you know, right. I didn't let you answer it. What did you learn in the field that you did not learn in the course? Because the field is different. It different. is. I'm trying to think, man. <laughs> it was a lot. We learned a lot. Um, yeah, that's. I mean, right now I'm happy, so I can't even think about like the. And it's cool. It's cool. Uh, yeah, it's, it's just something to to really think about. If you if you if you if you think about it as we go, man, bring it back to yeah. me. Just because that's important to somebody listening. Because actually getting started is more important than all the information you got. Yeah, you know what I mean. You learn. There's obviously you learn through information, but you also learn through taking action. Yeah, and I think that I wanted to just I want to basically highlight what you learned through your action that you did not get in the book. Because it's just imperative. Yeah, it's because it, I learned so much, man. We like our our lessons learned for this project was over two hundred. You counted them. Yeah, I mean, we we basically we went into this thing. Uh, we know what we know, and we don't know what we don't know. So we were more like, hey, we want to continue to grow and improve. So we would jot down, you know, kind of the things that went wrong and how to fix them. So we're over two hundred lessons learned. But I would say, what's just, your biggest lesson learned then? Um. I would say kind of like just being a leader, man. Like I really learned how to show up and be a leader on this project. Um, how, from you, how did you show up to be a leader? Early days, late nights, um, basically. Because, you know, you got partners. You have many different people that may be involved. And 
just taking the onus to make sure the job is done right. You know what I mean? So I was pretty much GC on this job. Um, so basically just bringing your thoroughness and putting your blueprint on the team. You know what I mean? Kind of imparting your integrity. You know what I mean? Kind of how your operations and making sure that everybody's kind of on a cohesive pattern to understand, you know, make sure we uh, accomplishing our goals. Got you, got you, got you. So, all right, you get through that, you're done with it eight months. What's your purchase price? Uh, purchase price was uh, 110. What was your rehab cost? Uh, we put about about 250. So you're at 360? 360, yep. Got you, plus some holding costs maybe? Yep. Got you, so let's just say uh, 370. 40, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 30, 40. Okay, uh, so, so then you're more so, you say 30, so. 390, 380, 390, somewhere in between there. What's your um, ARV? ARV, um, we had it listed at, we're listed at 555. 555, so yeah. you're looking for a whopper here. Yeah. Woo, that's over 100 grand. That's 100, over 150 grand. Yeah, I mean, the neighborhood we're in is moving. The house two doors down uh, went for 535. How long was that house on the market? Uh, it was on the market 60 days. Got you. Yeah, Got and you. that was about a year ago now. Got you. So I'm going to be honest with you. When I hear numbers like that, that shit give me anxiety. <laughs> like, I don't want shit on the market for 60 days. Yeah. How long has your house been on the market? 30 days. How you feel? Man, I'm for the long term, so it's more like I would like it to be gone. Um, but as my realtor and others have been advising me, like, you know, house at this price point, you know, you have smaller, uh, not as many buyers, you know, look for more particular buyers. So uh, it could sit up to three months, you know, so I'm prepared waiting on that right family, that right buyer, because like I said, the quality, the location, uh, the neighborhood, it all kind of justifies it. You know what I Got mean? Got you. All right, so I want to highlight what you said, um, and it's important. I typically stay under houses under 300000 Um, The reason why is because, you know, if we could use the analogy of Mercedes-Benz dealership, mm -hmm. everybody wants one, but they can't afford one. So we drive by, but we don't actually stop and test drive because we don't have the purchase power for an S-Class, typically. Mm -hmm. um, but the majority in the mass is by used cars. So if you really want to get saucy, homes under 200000 sell a lot quicker because the buying pool is just that much larger. Absolutely. So my strategy, I, I stop max right around $300,000 just because it starts to increase when you're looking at homes of that price point, typically it's a couple. Mm -hmm. I, I at two hundred and under, two fifty and under, you're selling the single family residence um, with maybe one parent sometimes. Yeah, and that's just more frequent, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. So, like, that's the psychology behind why behind my strategy. Yeah, you know that I wanted to share with you. I will add in that is a good lesson learned. That's I love that point because um, that is one of the things we were talking about. I I did learn from this project. Was we? I think we found it. We, we're finding our sweet spot as far as the price and structure. You know what I mean? Yeah. As far as what the market dictates as well. So that was something that was kind of an afterthought. You know what I mean? But we were like, okay. So like you said, as an example, you know, doing something between the the two to three fifty range is mm -hmm. kind of where I want to be. You know what right. I mean? You can still add your customization at that yeah. price point. Yeah, but. You know, you still have a larger buying pool. You know yeah, I mean? absolutely. You know what I mean. So, because for me, it's about speed, love, success. So it's about how quick can I get to the next deal. You know what I mean. It's about having being able to display socially more work and produce more, um, and that's going to get you more. 
yeah. as couch to holding, looking for the home run. Yeah. So just something to consider um, when you're doing business. There's no right or wrong way, but for me, is able to keep my team busy yes. and, and, and keep turning. Absolutely. You know I mean? And sometimes instead of getting you know, 100,000 per flip, if I'm getting 70 to 60 per flip, but I'm doing two and three yeah. very often, that benefits everybody on my team more. Yeah. And that keeps the engine and the throttle going. Facts. Yeah, yeah. So that's just something that I uh, would recommend. Now, um, something that I'm hearing is that you're eight months in on construction, um, and so you have a construction loan on the property. Oh, uh, yeah. All right. So um, as you're getting offers and things are coming in, consider that you have you have a year loan. Mm-hmm. You know, so you have a year construction loan yeah. that will expire. They can't extend the loan, though, right? But then they charge you one percent of whatever they lend you. Yeah, you know, so be aware of that. That's the extension fee. It's one percent. It's typically for another, you know, thirty days. Uh-huh. So more fees come with that. Absolutely. So sometimes taking a little less, it's equivalent getting getting in and out of it is equivalent. You know. But you're playing with a different price point, though, so that's a different. Be, and that's kind of where it's like, yeah. you know, you know, it's the difference of at this point. Like, let's just say, like you said, the insurance is two thousand a month. You know, I'm talking three months, so I'm talking six thousand dollars, but we're talking a difference of thirty to fifty thousand. Yeah. So you know what I mean? Like, I've real I already realized I'm a long term investor. You know what I mean? So I have a backup play for this already. Gotcha. So you, you know what I mean? So when you say long term, what's the backup play? The backup play, I mean, it's, this is new, but this is kind of something I was wanting to get anyways, is that we've talking about, we might, depending on how everything goes, we may keep it in Airbnb. In Airbnb. Uh, you know what I mean? Because I love everything about the property. Gotcha. Have you done any research on Airbnb and a property of this size? Uh, Not yet. Like price point. I think that might be some homework that you might want to do. Yes, sir. Just to kind of look at what the price point is for the comparables. For other Airbnbs that in that area, that size, and things of that nature. Yeah. Therefore, that the math can make sense. Oh, I'm gonna make it make sense. That's that's my thing. Yeah, like, you know yeah. what I mean? I'm able to judge value and put value out there and people respond to it. Gotcha. So, you know what I mean? I I, I check, I see what the market does, but I don't go by Airbnb numbers. I set my own numbers. I got a question for you. Could yeah. it be on the market and still be getting Airbnb? It can be. Man, that's a way for you to kind of cover that. Just but like, right now, where I'm at is that I'm trying to keep it this, fresh. Yeah, clean. I want to keep it clean because I ain't got a time to be having a maid service. I need yeah. a, a particular way for when that buyer comes in. So I'm willing to, you know, go this this uh, two to three months, and then, like I said, if that if if we're not getting the offers that we want, because at that time we're willing to negotiate. You know, we have a lot of negotiation room. You know what I mean? Gotcha. Um, the house one street over just sold for five fifty last week. So that's the one we were really kind of comparing it to. So then that's a, a street over. So and again, in the area we're in, construction is booming. Everybody on the street is going. So I'm saying it's a matter of time. You know understood, I mean? understood, understood. All right. So let's go back to the Airbnb though. Play. Yes, sir. I've seen you put up post where your Airbnb is almost like your whole month is filled up. Yeah. And this is an Airbnb in Houston. Though, let's yeah. be clear. Yes. All right. So. Like, how are you doing that? By doing the things that's in the, our, our crash course. Like, basically, we go through a series of steps that, steps that we have pretty much perfected, and we market it a certain type of way. We design it a certain type Give of way. Give me an example of how you market it. Um, 
Of course, we're on Airbnb. We're on v VRBO as well. What's vacation VRBO? Vacation rental by owner. Okay. Um, you know, and we do a lot of uh, personal network marketing. You know what I mean? You so personal just, network just marketing. people that I know because again, I'm a my background is photography. So I've met people all walks of life, so all industry relationships. Absolutely. And so now what's what's getting really amazing is that we're getting repeat customers and we're getting people that are just traveling to our destination. So I have people hitting me up on a regular to where I have to get more there because I don't have I can't fulfill the demand. I'm telling mm. people I can't do it. Or I'm booked. Like no joke, last week I had a guy call me and Tashina Arnold wanted to rent my spot. Pam, B2B, but I was filled for the month. You know what I mean? So it's like, these are, it's like, man, okay. So that's why this model is so amazing, you know, and it's something that's very duplicatable, very scalable, you know what I mean? Even if you are busy. So you're, you got to flip in, you know what I'm saying? You're working on getting it sold. What, what? direction are you taking in the near future? Do you want to flip or do you want an Airbnb? I want an Airbnb. And that's what I was about to tell if I can't talk about the next project. Yeah. Yeah. So the next project that I'm working on in Indy, I'm in Indy, I'm actually working on a, a huge Airbnb bed and breakfast. Got so, you. So that's what I'm so, working on. So you say on right bed now. and breakfast is different. It sounds like I'm getting fed. It's that style. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm using that to paint the picture for you. Okay, you know okay, what I mean? Okay. But it's still going to be kind of our Airbnb, but we might add that concierge service because I'm really, we're about to build this compound type situation, seven bedroom, five bath. So for those who don't know, bed and breakfast experience, yeah. like, what's that like? Basically, that is kind of where the Airbnb model kind of came from. Basically, you're traveling around and you need lodging. The bed and breakfast would actually come with food, but Airbnb, you're actually just renting a property. So that's kind of where they got it from, where you can travel anywhere, you can get a room or in house, rent out a house. So I'm using that bed and breakfast because that's the feel. Because a lot of times our uh, vacation rentals, people love them because they're a home away from home. You know, I just got, I had a 30 day renter that just checked out this past weekend, gave us five stars and was raving over our place, how clean, how nice, the quiet neighborhood, and that it was a home away from home. Her words exactly. So when I say bed and breakfast, I want that. It's going to be that country cottage type feel to where your family can come out here hey, and man, enjoy. What are you doing to get people to rent your properties for such long terms? Honestly, like I, we, we, we truly believe it's in our design and our aesthetic, uh, how we photograph the property. You know it, what I mean? I show the amenities. So it, I'm a marketing photographer. So I know I'm, I highlight the space. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So would you advise? for somebody who is wanting to do this mm -hmm. to get a real estate photographer? Yeah, I talk about that in the video is that that's a key component. You can't just shoot the photos yourself. I, that's in the course, yeah. So it's basically saying you need to hire a professional. Like, but but I can hire a professional, but it's a difference in, so what are you doing different? Because I could, he could be a professional, you could be a professional. What are you doing differently to highlight the property? I mean, I... Don't, hey, don't be selfish with the sauce, bro. I'm trying to tell you. I, <laughs> it's the, you got to buy it. You got to... You're going to have to... Once you see the video, it's literally going through it. And I'm telling you, we're neutralizing it. I'm putting stylish things in here. I'm, I'm layering it. I'm making it comfortable. Gotcha. I'm, make, I'm creating a home away from home. Gotcha. You know what I mean? Like, that is, that is the secret sauce. Gotcha. Because just think about it. When you are buying an Airbnb, you know, we've all been in that position. You're looking for price. You're looking for value. And at the end, if you can get a little location, 
but you're looking for you. You can only see with your eyes. Got you. When you're renting it for thirty days, yeah. What's your ROI like? Your return on investment? Yeah. Basically, um, th- three to four times the monthly mortgage. Got you. So if you're at fifteen hundred, you're doing forty five, fifty five. Sometimes that's net, meaning that after expenses. That- after expenses, you could be it would be around three to four thousand per property. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. At full occupancy, like we're we're rolling. All right. So next question mm-hmm. is: You're doing this in Houston, and you're proficient at, in Houston doing it. Let's talk about the indie market. Yeah. Do you feel that? I, like I got one. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I got one in Avon. We just gutted it out a few days ago, um, and so. It's literally around the corner from my house. So I'm five minutes from the airport. Uh huh. Twenty minutes straight down seventy um, to downtown. downtown. Um, so it's a little bit further than downtown, but Excuse the airport, me. you know, being close to airports, it's a plus. Mm-hmm. Great neighborhood. Um, so it's an A minus neighborhood. So we good. Like, do you think that I have the same? You know, I, I'm not holding you to it because there's mm-hmm. nobody. You know, I, it, it all depends on quality home and everything and a, and a client. But do you think I have the same potential here in Indianapolis? What I was studying with Indy, I said, I feel like you can definitely do, the location is key, but I feel you can at least, you can do double. Double. I think so, you, so I you're think saying you, like I could double my market? Because Avon is still a very attractive market. Gotcha. Indianapolis is growing. And that's the thing even about Houston. You look at these places that are constantly growing, man, and they have family out in Avon. Like there's so many angles with this thing, how people will, what, a person will rent your stuff, you know what I mean? Got you. So, like, you know, being from the city, where would you, where, if you were to tell uh-huh. me, say, I'm about to start scouting for more Airbnbs, where would you tell me to go look at? I try to be, like you said, 15 minutes within downtown in any direction. Mm. The closer you are, if we can get 12 minutes, 10 minutes, the higher our price we can charge. But if we can be 15, and, and, and that's why I say 20 minutes doesn't hurt you because you have many different kinds of travelers. You know what I mean? So, some people, 20 minutes is nothing for somebody coming from Cali. You know what I mean? Oh, right. You know what I mean? So 20 minutes is you can get a lot of places. So if I can get 15 within 15 minutes, 10 minutes, I want to I want to be by attractions. You know, one of the places that I'm really interested in is like the fairgrounds. That's another area. They have events year round. Mm. You know what I mean? So places like this that are constantly in high rotation, you know, Indianapolis has a lot of conventions and conferences like they booming. You know, and people are looking, but what I realized in Indianapolis, we don't have the crazy numbers popping up. We don't have Airbnbs everywhere, and that's still not a negative. So because that, if you, so you do pop, you're going to pop up, whether you are in here. Absolutely, got you. Because if they're looking and they say, "Hey, I'm looking for this," Avon's still going to pop up, as long as you can put yourself in that search. You know what I mean? So they're they're look. The numbers aren't kind of hitting you over the head. You're able to be able to, and if your stuff stands out, you're going to book. Mm. You know what I mean? So that's kind of like you said, you're researching what's out there. And I think that's that's probably a good thing. So when you say you. stand out, you're talking about the quality of the finishes on the house. Yeah. Got you. So you want to modernize the home. Absolutely. You want it to be a, a vacation, feel like a vacation destination, whether you are in a small t- city or a large city. Got gotcha. you. Know do, what you I mean? do you do themes with your homes or anything like that? We, the, yeah. Um, and I, I created Wifey. The first one is like a ranch style house. The second one is a mid-century modern. So that one, we really did theme that one out as far as our design, our furniture, the, the renovation, the colors. So it is more, it feels like a beach home. 
You know what I mean? It's, it has very light wood versus the first property is more mature. I said it's mature trees. So we get a lot of, you know, elders come in and hang with their family members. You know what I mean? You're killing it, me with the tree thing though, bro. It, 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 you look it up, bro. You're going to be like, Dick might have been a little ahead of his time with that. I'm trying, because these are the things that when you look at, because I look at high appreciation neighborhoods and areas. Are and that's sure? what that's one of the main essential things in a high appreciation neighborhood. You go down Meridian. What I'm do they fact. have? You yeah, see what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's not I'm not just I'm not just in the woods being no, my artistic it. self, but it's some real values with it that people they look for that. Understood, you know I mean? understood. Got you. So somebody getting into the Airbnb business, what's your number one piece of advice for them? If you're getting into vacation rental business, I think like you said, look at the resources, tools that are out there. Um, I think it's a great business you can get in and you can learn yourself, but kind of like what we were saying, if you can get some coaching, some training to help you escape some of the hurdles and puddles, um, I would definitely try to do something like that. But um, if you're getting in, um, get your goals together. I think that's probably the first thing, kind of establish some goals, what you want to do with it, i.e. if you want to do weekends, if you want to look for a week renter um, or even a month renter. Because I had a guy, as as I talk about this more, I got a guy up in Geis who's about to put his property, uh, he's, he's about to water, so he's about to do use these strategies. And one of the things we're going to do, because his family's in the house, so you can put the parameters on how long or how short of a stay somebody can rent. So he's going to be like, okay, you got to get at least five days or seven days. You mark that. So when I'm saying marketing, you marketing it like that. But could that hurt you? You know what I mean? Because you're limiting it, yourself. But again, it's about your goals. Understood. That's why I start with goals. Like if you have a family and you got to move your family out, you have to make it make sense for y'all. You know what I mean? If y'all need five days and and I'm going to say five days is what, $1,000, $1,200, mm-hmm. right? You know what I mean? So you're like, okay, that's roughly $1,500 for the week. We, you know what I mean? We can get out. We can move. But two-day rentals, I'm going to tell you from experience, that's going to put stress on your family. You're gonna be making money, but y'all gonna be humping. So my strategies are to keep it flow and keep. You don't it have easy. anybody cleaning it and managing it. Yep, part of the power team. Got you, got you. All right. Now you're gonna do more. You said mm-hmm. you're gonna do more in Houston. Yep. Got you. It's just the demand's higher there. Yeah, because right now, like you said, I'm going off the numbers. Like you said, the demand is high, super high, and so I have to continue. To, I want to support that demand because, again, I know, man, you're always thinking about long-term and residuals. And so that's kind of the thing. The more we have, the more functioning we have, the more residual income we'll be able to create and produce. Do you think that hotels ever get to a point where they just lower their prices to be, like, super, super competitive? They, they're going to have to do something. To be honest, I mean, because they, they're starting. I've even seen hotel trends like Hilton and Marriott. They've created Airbnb-style villas. You hear that? You know what I mean? And even with what we're doing now, this vacation rental crash course is showing it's pandemic proof. You know what I mean? Because this pan- the pandemic has proven that this strategy, this stuff is going to be here. Before, they were kind of questioning. They didn't know. Right. But private hotel and all of that, oh, yeah, it's through the roof now. You know what I mean? And like you said, if you see the big guys forming and trying to create models to kind of compete, because they're seeing people want multiple rooms. When people travel, they want to be with their friend. They don't want to be in a hotel three rooms down and I can't talk and do this. I got a pet. No, they want to be in the same space. So that's, to me, that's the model of hoteling and traveling, villa style. You know what I mean? That's how 
families and more established people. That's how they travel. They organize they together. Understood. So, understood. Man, I appreciate you taking the time out, man. No problem, you know man. I mean? Thank it's you. always good. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, chop it up. Man, the R&B, I mean, the Airbnb king. Yeah. I was about to call you R&B king, bro. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, hey, I want to thank everybody for listening and uh, watching uh, another podcast today. Make sure to tell a friend to tell a friend, man, to check out First Generation Wealth Builders on YouTube and all podcasting platforms. Again, tell a friend to tell a friend, man. And if you're interested, don't forget to check out my man's book. You know what I mean? We'll put the link in the bio. And, you know, if you're looking to get into real estate via the Airbnb route, I think this is a great opportunity. And I'll see you on the other side.